Hi, Trinity. We're the Kennys, Alita, Evan, Josh, and Anya. And we are happy to be worshiping with you today. We miss doing it in person, of course, but we love to see all of your faces when they come up on the screen. So um, we're happy to contribute to that. And our prayer for you guys and for all of us is um, that we would all be actively seeking, um, seeking the Lord and his guidance. And we just have complete confidence that he is guiding us through these days and that he is guiding us all to the same place. <laughs> and we can't wait to be with you again in person. We love you. Love you, mm -hmm. Trinity. Good morning, church. We do desire that unity that Alita just spoke about. Uh, and I know many of us, many of us are, are clamoring for a way to be back in community again. And the, the unity of the Spirit is, is to be desired first, and then forsake not the gathering together. So this morning, we're going to sing. We're going to sing about that Spirit that unifies us. Uh, and please, join with us. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You are our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. The sweetest of loves When my heart becomes free And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Holy Spirit Sweetest of love, sin. When my heart becomes free, 
about this building when we sing it. We're talking about this building, right? Jesus pointed to the temple and he said, you tear it down, I'll build it up. He wasn't talking about the building. He was talking about his body. And when you sing this chorus, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You're talking about your heart. Come flood this place, my life, and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what my heart longs for. That is the answer. That itch that you feel, that's like, I got to get out. I got to go do. I got to go be. I need things to be normal again. What you really hunger for is not normal or the way things were. What you really hunger for 
is the glory of God filling your heart to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Who among you has had an experience with Jesus that has been so powerful like cool water on a hot day, you just wanted more and more of it. That's why we sing. That's why we sing. And God bless you if you don't feel the Spirit of God moving in your life, in your home, you won't feel it in this building. If it is not on the inside of you, there is nothing on the outside of you that can bring it to be. Let's sing this one more time. Just this chorus. Margie's going to play, and we're just going to sing it like a prayer. I just want you to sing it with us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Today's reading is from Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God bless.
Amen. Thank you, Josh. Well, we want to, again, welcome you to this time of worship where we are uh, giving our heart and mind's attention to the Lord. Uh, hopefully you are able to set aside the things that are heavily, heavily weighing on your heart this morning and give him your attention. Uh, I know day in and day out it is a, a struggle. It is hard as we adjust to living life in this different way, in this different time. But uh, again, uh, hopefully, my prayer, my belief is that God's word can comfort us, uh, can center us, can set our feet on a firm foundation so that as we go out into the world, we can be encouraged and strengthened from God's word as the Holy Spirit ministers to us in this time we've set apart for doing that. And so we've turned to Paul's word this morning here in the book of Ephesians to kick off a new series for us. Now, it's important as we read through the book of Ephesians, as Josh read for us, that we understand that Ephesians is this large visionary document that Paul is sending to believers in Ephesus. He's reminding them of what it means to be the church, and that's exactly the question we should be asking now as we prepare for what's next. Preparation, another word for preparation is this word equipping. Equipping is actually the name of the new series we're starting today and we'll carry on for the next four weeks. And it's not we're, not, we're not calling it equipped. We're not calling it complete. We're calling it equipping. It's God's ongoing process of preparing and equipping and building up his people, his church, as he desires to reconcile the world to himself and build up his kingdom. Think about this a little bit, because I know we're approaching summer, and many of us want to think of a day when we'll be able to take a beach day, right? Where we'll head out to the beach and relax and enjoy our time in the sun and the sand and the water, right? But, but if you're going to be equipped for the beach day, well, then you, you've got to pack beach chairs. You've got to pack snacks. You've got to pack sunscreen. You've got to pack towels and chairs and, and, and snacks. And you've got to pack sand toys and, and maybe an umbrella and, and some more snacks, right? You've got to be prepared. You've got to be equipped to spend the whole day at the beach. You know how we equip ourselves for the beach. Actually, my family loves going to the beach. I like to hunker down underneath the umbrella and, and or hunker down at home in the air conditioning. But, but you need to be equipped, right? You need to be prepared for what the day holds for you. If you're preparing to get married or if you're preparing to, to welcome a child into your life, you need to be equipped, right? It's not a matter of just romanticizing about what life will be like with your spouse or with this child. You need to do the work of preparation so that you can step into this role prepared and mature and ready to keep growing and keep learning as you take on the responsibility that God has given us, right? By the way, we should mention that this past week, our youth director, Robert, and his wife, Kimby, welcomed their daughter, Ruby Kate, into this world. She was born on Wednesday, a beautiful, I've seen a, a picture, she's a beautiful little girl, uh, cannot wait until this quarantine is over and this, uh, the social distancing is done so I can hold her and squish her and hug her, uh, but certainly if you have a moment, take a moment to congratulate Robert and Kimby and, and pray for them as they step into this new, uh, new role as uh, mother and father. You know, we, there's a lot of things that we have to equip ourselves for in our lives, or, or be equipped for, I should say. And that's certainly true of the church. 
Equipping is a very important part of the life of a Jesus follower because there is a lot more to our life with Christ than we initially realize, right? When we understand that Jesus not only saves us from the guilt and shame of our past, but he saves us to this new life, we come to realize that there's more to this new life than we anticipated. Many of us are relieved to be forgiven of our sin and our guilt and our shame of the past that we don't even, aren't even able to realize the fullness of the life that's ahead of us. And, and that process of equipping is that process where we come to realize the life that Jesus invites us into. He's not just giving us this do-over on life. He's not just giving us a a new beginning to to try again in our best efforts. Now, Jesus is inviting us into this new life. Yes, he gives our hearts these clean slates, but but the gospel says that the clean slate is lived out in a, a new life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, imagine if you could, a chalkboard, right? Kids, uh, a chalkboard is like a whiteboard, but that's black, and you write on it instead with like your fingers, like a computer or whatever, you write on it with chalk, right? Now, for anyone that grew up using a chalkboard at school, you know how dirty and messy these things get. Your teacher writes letters on the chalkboard. Uh, they, uh, he, he or she might write maybe a math equation or a word that you're trying to remember the definition of. And then they erase it. But when they erase it, do they really erase it? Because there's a thick residue of chalk that's left on the chalkboard. It may be clean, but it's not really clean, right? You still see the remnants or the residue of what once was. Jesus doesn't do things like this. That's not the gospel for us. The gospel is not taking our chalkboard of a life and then wiping it clean so we can start over. No, the gospel says you get a new chalkboard. You get a new beginning, a new chalkboard, where there is no past that's written on there that if you look really closely, you can see the remains of. The gospel is that Jesus has invited us to live into this new life. But to live into this new life, we need to accept that the Holy Spirit wants to do a process of equipping us, of preparing us, of of building us up and maturing us and, and, and allowing us to live into this new life. He does more than save us from a past. He saves us to a family, to a place of belonging and a place where we have a purpose alongside the other people in God's family. So over the next few weeks, we're going to explore the things that God has given us to equip us and prepare us to take, a, to, to take on a role and a value and a significance and a purpose in building up his kingdom with others. And I want you to stay tuned this morning because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this in our passage this morning, something that I'm losing sleep over, something that is burning a hole in me and I can't stop thinking about, and I don't have the answers to completely either. And so I, I wake up thinking about it and I'm not nervous, but I have this longing and this desire a desire for God to do something that that I'm still trying to fully envision and see and understand. So stay with me because I'm gonna I want to share a little bit of that with you this morning as we look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. But I also want to challenge you to think about things this morning and pay attention because 
Later on in, uh, in the week, we're going to release a, uh, a discussion, a conversation that Clayton and I will have together that will talk about some of the things we're discussing this morning. Why are we doing this? Because I want our conversation to go beyond Sunday morning. I get it. We're at home. There's not much to do. There's, there's work. There's school. There's, there's other things that may be projects that we could get to. But I want to make sure that when we think about our week, we don't just leave what we talked about on Sunday morning on Sunday morning, but we carry it forward and we do something about it. So, so, so this morning, we're going to start a conversation. We're going to continue it midweek through this online discussion, which, by the way, we'll make available for you to download so you can listen to while you're, while you're doing dishes, while you're going for a walk, while you're hiding in your closet, whatever you're doing, right? You can, you can listen to this audio. You can listen to this conversation. But I hope it doesn't even stay there. I hope you're talking about it around the dinner table with your family. I hope you see opportunities to talk about the things we're discussing with your friends or your family members, or, or, or maybe it's even with someone you work with. Even most importantly, I hope that you find ways to allow this conversation and discussion to shape what's going on in your conversation with God. God has spoken to us in his word. We're listening but we want to engage with him in his word and with his, with his family. And so hopefully you'll take us up on that and join us for this discussion that we release midweek. And so to get the conversation started this week, we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, specifically here later on in the chapter when, when we look at how God takes a diverse group of people, unites them together, and builds them up in their diversity, but then sends them out into the world. You see, the church is not a club, it's not a country club, it's a sending organization. It's an organization that exists to send out into the world the people of the family of God. You see, with a country club, you pay your dues and the club provides goods and services, right? It provides a, 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 you know, tennis courts and, and, and places to recline around a pool or whatever it would be. And you, you deserve those things because you pay a monthly fee. But that's not so with the church. See, Tom, Tom Rayner makes the point in one of his books that many people treat belonging to a church as if it's more like a country club membership where we've paid our monthly dues and, and we deserve something. We deserve to get our needs met, to be satisfied, to be pleased, to, to enjoy the church experience. But but we have to understand as we look at Paul's word, that's not what the church is. That, that's not what Jesus has instituted in his body. The church is a physical manifestation of Jesus' body. And as it grows, as it expands, it, it exposes the world around it to God's love and, and grace and forgiveness we find in Jesus Christ. In other words, as God's people become conformed in Jesus' image, as we become to look like and, sh and shape like and, and live like, as we become like Jesus, the world around us experiences the love of a Father available to us in Jesus Christ. They experience the, the personality of God in Jesus available to us as we walk in faith with Jesus. See, a country club invites you to come in and receive a church, by definition, yeah, invites you to come in, but, but it also says, hey, when you come in, now it's time you be equipped as we send you out. 
See, just before Jesus ascended to heaven after his resurrection, do you remember what he said to his disciples? He he says, all authority has been given to me. Now go. Go and and make disciples. In in Acts, Luke records that that Jesus says to his disciples that they're going to be his witnesses. In other words, they're going to be his apostles. They're going to be those who who have witnessed the life and teaching of Jesus, and they're going to pass on to others who will pass on to others who will pass on to others. He's sending them out. There's a passage in the Gospel of John where after his resurrection, one of the first times that Jesus appears to his followers, he appears in the upper room that's been, the door has been closed, and he miraculously shows up in, in their presence. And he says this in John chapter 20. He says to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. <laughs> and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. See, there's, there's an equipping that's happening there. Do you see it? See, even in Jesus sending us out, he equips us with his Holy Spirit. The purpose of the church is so much more than a place for us to gather. It's a place where we equip and encourage and admonish one another to, to, to do good works to be witnesses of Jesus, to go out and share the love of God with the world. So as Jesus was sent, so, so Jesus sends us. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, now sends us out into the world. So let me just reiterate this first. The church It's not a place where we come to to get our our needs met. It's a place where we should be equipping and being equipped to go out. And so in the beginning of Ephesians 4, Paul's reminding the church of this calling. He's reminding the people who have gathered there in Ephesus, the followers of Jesus, hey, don't forget who you are. He says in verses 1 through 3, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So as we think about the ministry of our church, as we think about coming back into this space and gathering again as a church in this building I want you to understand something. The elders are asking this question, and I want you to ask the question as well. Not necessarily what is the manner in which we've been called, but what is the calling to which we have been called? See, this is, this is what I'm losing sleep over. Because I, we live in a day and an age where the comforts, the routines, the, 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 the things that we've found uh, joy in, have been stripped away in, in gathering together here in this room on a weekly basis. And in many ways, we've experienced a simplifying of life in the faith, which has been refreshing and good. But in many ways, we find ourselves longing for something as well, something that's missing, something that we associate with what was taken away from us back in the beginning of March. But what I'm losing sleep over is thinking about what we'll look like as we come back together. To, to, to find clarity, to put our finger on what is our calling as a church. Not just what are we going to do as a church, 
But what is our calling? And, and not just does Pastor Dan know what that calling is, but does the church know and understand what that calling is? It's not going to be something I create out of thin air. It's going to come to us from the Word of God, from His Holy Spirit working on our hearts and shaping God's heart in our heart. And so this morning, I wonder if you have asked the question, God, what is the calling to which we've been called as a church? This is, this is the thing that's weighing heavily on my heart as of late. We've been, we started doing these weekly check-in surveys, and, and I've been encouraged to hear that your faith is strong as a congregation. But at the same time, I, I want to make sure that, that, as Clayton mentioned earlier, that, that our identity as Christians does not change just because we've come in this room but that we are living into our calling as a church in our living rooms just as much as we would in this room, that nothing will change, that there will be a continuity between our faith in our living room and our faith in this room, or better yet, a continuity between our faith as we gather in this building with the continuity of our faith as we go out into our neighborhoods and our communities and live out our faith in our family rooms. See, Paul's not speaking to individuals here. He's speaking to the church body as a whole. Paul is, is not talking about the programs of our church. He's not saying, hey, guys, just get through this so that you can come back and, and, and do Sunday school again. Once you get to Sunday school, everything will be fine, right? That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul's talking about is our aim, our vision. For what purpose do we gather in this room? For what purpose do we desire to, to sit in, a, in a, a Sunday school class together with other believers? For what purpose do we gather in square one or joy in the morning or, or gather with our small group? For what purpose, to what aim, for what vision is God equipping us through these tools? See, Paul wants to know he wants the church to know that it's not our goal to meet our own needs, to comfort us with the familiar or the things that we long for. Paul's goal is to help us get in touch with why we long for those things. Because God has planted a deeper desire in us than what these ministry programs can offer. And that's what I want us to identify together as a church. What is it that we long for to, to pursue, to go after? What is the calling for which we have been called? See, I think Paul wants us to understand that it would be our vision to become these vessels of good news, to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to be shaped like Jesus, to live personalities and characteristics and, and desires like Jesus. But as we so often miss in living out our faith, it's not about what we do for Jesus but how are we becoming shaped in his image? right? We, the easy answer is to say, oh, well, if that's what Jesus did, I'm going to go do that. Then I can check that box. But Christianity isn't about checking the box to make sure you've done all the things that you need to do to be considered a Christian. Christianity is being, uh, about being conformed to Jesus' image. So we can't do humility. We become humble. We can't do patience. We, we become a patient person. I can't tell you the number of times in quarantine where, where 
I've realized that no matter how much I want to be a, a patient person, I cannot be patient in my own power and ability. I can't fake being patient. See, to genuinely walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling, it's to become like Jesus. He's the standard of measurement by which we live. Right? When you measure something, you use a ruler or a tape measure. You measure it out to see what the length is. Jesus is that measuring tool. He's the standard by which we say, we examine our maturity and our growth and our our ability to live into what God has created us to be. And, and because he's the standard of measurement, he's also the definition of unity, right? Yes, we're a church that is made up of people of different heights and whatnot. But the reality is that when, when we're being measured, we're not measuring our differences. Jesus measures our unity are being conformed to the image of Jesus together. It's not about celebrating our different passions or desires, our longings, our gifts. It's about celebrating the fact that we are one in Christ, that we are being conformed to his image, that we are living out the goodness of God in Jesus Christ, that we are vessels of the good news, that God has come to us in the form of man, that he's come to us, he's with us through Jesus Christ. See, this is how Paul can say in our passage that there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Paul's focus in this passage is for the church to be unified and unified in Jesus Christ. See, we find that heaven and earth come together in Jesus, or Jesus brings heaven to us and earth to heaven. And so as we gather around Jesus, we gather in that place where he has brought heaven and earth together. So what unifies us is, is not, not what church building we go to. What unifies us as a community is not, not what jersey we wear. What unifies us as a church is not necessarily what bumper sticker uh, our church has that we, that we put on the back of our car or whether or not we have that Jesus fish on the back of our car. What unifies us is putting some skin in the game, getting on the field, and becoming a player like Jesus. It's not about sitting in the stands saying, yay, Jesus, go Jesus. It's a matter of getting on the field, watching him, and learning to play the game like him. We may have different passions. Some of us may be more passionate about prayer or, or missions or teaching or, 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 or caring for others and serving others. But God brings all of us in our passions together in Jesus to form one cooperating body. So here's, here's both the mystery and the encouragement for me. See, it's a mystery to me in how somehow, as I look at my life over the span of time, I have been transformed and changed, and those transformations become visible to me over time. Even though, even though all along I'm struggling and striving to, to, to transform myself, I'm struggling and striving to become more gentle, more humble, more, more patient, whatever it would be. The reality is that, that none of that work is accomplished in my own power. 
And that somehow over time I can see that transformation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is at work in me. And so it's a mystery as long as I don't pay attention to that Holy Spirit doing the work that he's doing in my life. At Square One, we've been asking the question lately, uh, what, what fruit of the Spirit do you see God working on in your heart this week, in your life this week? That's a great question for us to be asking. Why? Because it encourages us to, to think along the lines of, of noticing God working in our lives. right? To, to, to become familiar with noticing God, being aware of his work in our lives, his presence with us. And so that, that, that's a bit of a mystery to me, but, but the encouragement is also there. And the encouragement is that none of this transformative work is dependent on my own efforts and my own works. None of this is dependent on how patient I'm trying to be or, or how humble I can show myself to be. The only work I can do is rely more heavily on the Holy Spirit as he does the work of bearing fruit in my life. You know, sometimes when we close our services in prayer, I read a passage from Hebrews as our benediction. It's from Hebrews chapter 13. But when, we, when I read it for us, notice who's doing the work of equipping. Notice who's shaping our character in, in, in Jesus' image. The author of Hebrews says this, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Not only does God take people of different passions and skills and gifts and, and unify them around being shaped in Jesus' image, but he's the one who does the work. Right? It's not a matter of us trying to work out more and, and, and get better at things. It's about living into this new life and watching the Holy Spirit transform us Conform us to Jesus' image. It's a, a new way of being a human being. And this is excellent news. Think about this. Have you ever been assigned to a project at, or, or, uh, at work or, or in school where you have a, a handful of people coming together to accomplish the work? And maybe this is more common uh, in, in school, but I don't think so, actually. I think it probably happens more often in the workplace than we want to admit. Because as people come together to do the work, it never fails that someone doesn't do all that they were supposed to do. And what happens? The whole team suffers, right? When we depend on ourselves and, and the other people to do their job, something goes wrong. Someone doesn't do it to the best of their ability. They don't put in all the work. They don't, they don't do their very best. And, and all it takes is one person to make it all go away. But the gospel teaches us that, that that's not the way of this new life. That, that's not what it looks like in living into Jesus' kingdom. The gospel teaches us that it's God who works in us that which is pleasing in his sight. That as we gather around the Holy Spirit to work on this project, it's God who does the work in all those people to bear the fruit of not just a completed project, but a beautiful-looking project, right? And he does this. He does this by giving us each spiritual gifts. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul puts it like this in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 4. 
But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. You, You know, one of the things we need to understand is that when we celebrate Christ's death and resurrection, we celebrate not only that he conquered death, but he opened a way into a new life. A new life where his gift before he ascended to the Father was to give us the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And not only does that Holy Spirit dwell within us, but he also uh, brings with him gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit that we use in building up the kingdom for God's glory. Jesus, as you think about him giving us gifts, is a bit like is a bit like Oprah. You get a spiritual gift, and you get a spiritual gift, and you get a spiritual gift. You all get spiritual gifts, right? See, none of us, no one who comes to Jesus leaves without getting a spiritual gift. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Whether you are young or old, no matter how old you are, no matter how mature in the faith you are, no matter how knowledgeable you are about the, the Bible or, or the gift that's been given, you have a spiritual gift. It's there even, even if right now you couldn't put your finger on it and say, yeah, this is my spiritual gift. And, and that's a question that's good to ask, by the way. What is my spiritual gift? And, and not only what is my spiritual gift, how do I use my spiritual gift? Great questions that we're going to address over the next few weeks right? But you all have a spiritual gift. Anyone who's come to Jesus does not leave without getting a spiritual gift, is not sent out without a a tool, a gift that God has given you to use for his glory. Everyone who's following Jesus in faith has a gift, whether they recognize it or not. Paul says in in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, he he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. See, God has given us, in this unity that he's building, a diversity of gifts and abilities in a way that allows us, that helps us, that, 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 that makes his body operate more functionally and in a more healthy way. See, this, this is how smart God is. Way before Henry Ford built the assembly line in 1913, God built it into his humanity. Jesus doesn't say, hey, Dan, I want you to do it all. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I want you to, to build the church from beginning to end. I want you down in the children's ministry. I want you in the youth ministry. I want you in the men's ministry. I want you in the women's ministry. I want you, I want you preaching on Sunday morning. I want you up in the choir. Or I want you playing uh, music on the, on the stage and singing songs. Uh, after that, I want you to run up to the tech booth. Uh, you know, I also want you to lead a, a care team that goes out into our community and serves our community. When you're done with that, Dan, I, I want you to come back to the office and, and make sure that, that the other staff have their checks that are available so they can live off of. So, so I want you to do that. And then, by the way, I want you to also count the tithes and offerings on Sunday morning. Dan, if you're not too tired, I also want you to start calling people and letting them know that you're praying for them. Now, God, God doesn't operate like that. The gospel doesn't operate like that. The church is not meant to operate like that. It's not the pastor's job to do all this. But 
But instead, it's God's plan for you, the unity of his church and the work of his church to be accomplished through a diversity of gifts that he's spread out and given out to his church. So for us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling is to work in partnership with other believers to see the gospel transform lives. Let's look back at the example I just shared with you a few minutes ago about this assembly line and, and Henry Ford for a moment. See, before the assembly line, there was a coach builder, basically one guy who oversaw the assembly of one entire vehicle. And, and before the assembly line, this process took about 12 hours to complete one Model T Ford. But when they introduced the assembly line into production, that time... Rather than it be one coach builder, but, but a whole team of people who were responsible for different parts of the Model T Ford, that time cut down from 12 hours to two and a half hours. And not only that, rather than being one car assembled at a time, there were hundreds of cars being assembled at a time. Do you see the fruitfulness going from one, assembly, one assembled car to hundreds of cars being assembled by a, by a diversity of people working on different parts of the Model T Ford? Imagine that for the church, where, where it wasn't the pastor's job to tell you how to use your gift, but it, it was a responsibility you took upon yourself to, 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 to exercise, to, to use, to see it come together, to build up the body of Christ. As you understand the function of your spiritual gift, you will be more confident to use it in both formal and informal ways. And they'll all be for the purpose of building up the church. See, in the church, there is, there is no coach builder to do it all. We can't walk in a manner worthy of our calling without all of us exercising the gifts that Jesus has given us through his Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. Church after church after church here in the United States is declining is lacking in growth. And by that, I don't mean just like people in the pews. I mean people being conformed to the gospel, to the, the image of Jesus, being transformed by Jesus' work in their lives. Churches are not growing, but it's not because we're not relevant to our world. Why? Because churches are made up of people in the world, right? It's because we're not familiar with the spiritual gift that God has given us. It's because we're not sure how to use it. And and we're not aiming to use it for God's purpose. We think, hey, I've got this gift. I want to use it because it feels good when I use it. But do you hear me when I say that? It feels good when I use it. My aim is not to, to build the church. My aim is to feel good because I have purpose and value and significance, and I can see it, and other people can see it, right? With the gifts that Jesus gives us, he has a very specific purpose a very specific value for each gift. This past week, my, my son had a birthday. He turned 12, and one of the gifts he got was a gift card. Now, when, when he was given this gift card, the person who gave it to him didn't say, okay, here's a gift card, but you can only use it to buy this video game. No, they said, here's a gift card. Go buy what you want with it, right? That's not how spiritual gifts within the church are used. That's not how Jesus intends them. He's not saying, hey, Dan, here's your gift to, to preach and teach. Go use it however you want. It's been given for a specific purpose, 
Listen to the purpose in, in Ephesians 4, verses 12 to 13. Jesus gave us spiritual gifts to keep equipping the people of God in building up the body of Christ, the, the, the body of the church, until, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, the gifts we receive are, are, are not for our own glory or our own benefit. I have been far too concerned. I'm confessing to you now. I have been far too concerned in my own life for my own identity. I have been far too concerned for my own value, my own significance. I want to know, what purpose do I serve? It's a question I think we all have. But when we stay there in ways that I have over long periods of time, it's only ever about us about satisfying that need. It's not about how does God want to use me in the church. I become too concerned with wanting to know my purpose when it, when it was staring me right in the face. When, when it was staring me right in the face in, in the Word of God, in the Scriptures. Hear me when I say this. Jesus did not give us gifts to make me look better or make me feel good or to, to make me feel more significant and be comfortable with myself. Jesus is not in the, in the business of building up superstars with a superior faith and a superior knowledge of his kingdom. His number one concern as we run our race together is that we would cross the finish line together. No one is left behind because they don't understand their gift. No one is left behind because they're not really sure how to use it. No if if. If there are people left behind, then the church is not healthy. The church is not doing what the church is meant to do. We, we are not here to, to, to be self-aggrandized people who, who think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We're not here to meet our own needs. We are here to be unified around Jesus Christ, to be conformed in his image, and to go out as his image bearers so that others in this world who are living in darkness and don't know the love of God can experience the love of God in us because he dwells in us. Paul remind, reminds us of these wonderful words. The church will, will keep on running. The church will keep on equipping until, until we all attain, each and every one of us, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. Jesus is the standard to which we grow together as we seek to equip and be equipped. I mentioned a book earlier by Tom Rayner. It's called I Am a Church Member. It's a great little book. Uh, we have extra copies, so if you're interested in reading it, please let me know. Dan at trinityfairfield.org. Uh, maybe write it in the discussion thread right now, and, and uh, one of us will take down your name, and, and we can get you a copy of the book. But in this book, he talks about this six-year study in which they followed 557 churches and found that nine out of ten churches were either declining or growing at a pace much slower than their community. In other words, the community around them is growing, but they as a church are not growing. They're not a part of that growth. People are not connecting to the gospel in their church. In other words, the gospel is losing some ground. Now, we could blame this statistic on any number of reasons, right? We, we've, we are not 
uh, exempt from, from finding reasons as to why we're not growing as a church. But, but Rayner identified the number one reason that churches were not growing. The number one reason that churches were not growing in his mind was that church members, people part of the community, had lost a biblical understanding of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Trinity, let, let's not be that kind of church. Let, let's not be the kind of church that's focus is, or our drive is driven by meeting our own needs, but about asking that question, what's the calling to which we've been called? And then understand that, that, that we don't have to conjure up an answer to that question, but as we pay attention to the Holy Spirit, as we listen into what Jesus is saying to us through his Holy Spirit, as we give him our attention, he will reveal that calling to us, but then it's not done there. We need to cooperate with him as he equips us, as we pay attention to the gifts he's given us, as we learn how to use those gifts, as we think creatively, how can I exercise that without waiting on the church to tell me how to exercise that, as we are sent out into the world to be vessels of the good news. So Trinity, let's not be a church where we are made up of people who don't have a biblical understanding of what it means to be a member of the church. To be a part of the body of Christ, let's, let's commit to and aim at encouraging one another to be equipped with the gifts Jesus has given us. And together, together we walk the path of growth and becoming more like Jesus. Let's not rely on the tools that we know have worked in the past Let's always be asking the question, Jesus, what's the manner in which you're calling us to, to live into the calling to which we've been called today? What are the opportunities before us? See, we've been sent out as the body of the Messiah. We've been sent out as the body of Jesus into our world to serve the world. But that's going to require a diversity of gifts coming together in unity around Jesus. So will you join me? Will, will you join me as we continue this conversation? Midweek, we'll release some uh, a discussion for, that Clayton and I will share together, and then we'll gather again next Sunday. But I hope this is not a conversation that just stays here on Sunday morning, but goes with us out into the week, is on our hearts and minds throughout every day, that we're paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. We're noticing the fruit that the Holy Spirit is cultivating in our lives. And we're paying attention to how he is drawing us together in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God who has called us to unity. A, a unity in Jesus Christ. But you allow for diversity in that unity. Lord, make us a people who are, uh, who are paying attention to the work you're doing in our lives. May we be committed to aiming toward the calling for which we have been called together and not, not allowing people to be left behind because they don't get it, but that we, would, that we would keep moving forward together until we all reach maturity in Jesus Christ. And not only reaching maturity here, but maturity in being sent out into the world. Thank you for this calling, Lord. Do the work that only you can do in our hearts and minds to equip us to serve the purposes for your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Uh, we'll be making it available so you can just go on in the app on your phones and fill out the survey uh, or be taken to the, the survey, which is a kind of a new thing for us to, to make that accessible through that avenue as well. And just, again, encourage you as you think about the ways that God is inviting you to support the work of the gospel here at Trinity, uh, we remind you to, to uh, think about uh, making a contribution to the gospel ministry, whether it's going on our website, uh, you could text the, uh, the option to give, you can give through the app, or you can mail your, your giving in. And, uh, and we, are, we are committed to asking that question, what is the calling to which we've been called, so that we might use the resources that God has blessed us with to see the gospel go forth in our town, in our community, and to the ends of the earth. So again, thank you for worshiping with us this morning. I just want to close with this prayer. A prayer that the God of peace would do a work in us. Listen to, the, again, the words of, of the author of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you. May the God of peace equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Take care. Thanks for being with us this morning. Go in peace.